Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, Mm Mm-hmm. You know that I'm working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm -hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll- The Bachelor? uh, That book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle Recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my... Um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. Mm. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. 
Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Trying to fix it is not saying pain and itching are the same thing. That's a fact. That is not a fact. That is a fact. No. Yes, it is. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and we are almost at the end of Historic Bachelor in Paradise Season 8. We've got only one week left in a... A thrilling two-episode finale. Did you notice how they teased that at the end of this? Next week, a two-episode finale. This is part of the problem. I don't even know the schedule, and this is my life. How is it your average viewer going to know? Well, they were trying to tease that like two episodes was going to be a big deal. It's like, that's been the case every week this week, except one, I think. Yeah, tell me when it's not too... Exactly. I just watched four hours today. (laughs) Oh, you did all of it today, man. I feel like it's it's a long four hours. That is a long four hours. (laughs) I got to do it night by night. My brother in Christ, let me tell you. Listen, my sister in Christ. (laughs) I could never do what you've done. That is is some very Christ-like level of suffering that you're putting upon Mm -hmm. yourself. And speaking of Christ, you too can... Pick up a little emblem to celebrate Christ's birthday. <laughs> Christmas. That's what Christmas is. That's right. <laughs> what were you trying? <laughs> I was just. I was like, is it the death one or the birth one? Just for a, just a second. I watched four hours today, my brother in Christ. I understand, my sister in Christ. Um, yes, we are going to have Christmas ornaments, gore Christmas ornaments that are going to depict. Our favorite satanic dark lord, Palmer, the new one, DLP. He is on the Mm -hmm. ornaments, and you can pick these up on all the links that we have on our stuff right now. Yeah, if you want to celebrate Christmas pit style, you can get some of these ornaments. We hope you'll enjoy them. Merry Pitmas from your brothers and sisters and non-binaries in Christ. And now, with that said, let's dig in. And now... Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. Episode 13, two hours long intro. Tonight on BIP, the crowns show up. Logan is shaking the jar. There's a new girl on the beach. Logan and Spencer are approached. There are tears. Mar arrives. Shots are fired. But first, Rodney and Eliza were a match made in heaven. But Justin shocked the beach when he returned to pursue Eliza, and then things got complicated. A match made in heaven. That was the first line that that caught me in this episode. What? I don't know if they were, but I mean, you're right. It's also like, and you destroyed them purposely. So you build these matches made in heaven, and then the whole premise of the show is you're going to crush them. Well, and they call it the most heartbreaking breakup ever. And I'm like, I can't even tell you what one of their jobs is. They never went to the boom boom room that we saw. How do we know they're a match made in heaven if they haven't boom boomed? Oh, that's what it comes down to for you? Or is everyone secretly boom-boomed? You got a boom-boom? That's what it comes down to. Are, are you hashtag worth the wait? Yeah. 
<laughs> Bachelor Clues's veil. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I just it's bothering me how little there is in the boom boom room this season when I've said this before, but the promotions were the two flamingo rafts and it said down to flock. Everyone's down to flock. There's no flocking. But they had to promote it that way. We talked about this, I think, before the season ever started airing, that the heavy promotion of flocking and the BBR, in our opinions, very necessarily meant there wasn't going to be no flocking. There wasn't going to be no use of the BBR. And the fact that the only time we even saw the BBR this entire season so far is uh, Kira Magistu being forced to do her little sketch with the with the, the fake vibrator from Sally Carson's yes. fake suitcase. That's the only time we've seen it. The BBR has only been used to make fool edits out of Kira Mangistu and the Aya Kinetis. Yeah, exactly. Justice for the BBR. I mean... I would say that's another thing about the BBR this season. For one week of it, the Aya Kinetis were living in it. It was their home. So it would be, I think, quite difficult to use it. I remember. Maybe it was tainted by the Creamy Caesar. Maybe no one could go in. We'll never know. Well, we continue the promo. <laughs> yeah, let's let's just skip and go straight to portion one. Brandon and Serene are walking the beach in sorrow. Mm-hmm. Serene is ITMing uh, basically the recap of the breakup with Rodney, and she explains the day is somber. The rest of the players sit around in the emotional aftermath of the dumping, recounting what we've already seen. Spencer ITMs tears about Rodney's readiness to be in love. He ITMs that they're there to find love and to create love. And when it doesn't work, it hurts. That's paradise. Jacinia is then in a forced girl chat with Florence about this being the point in paradise that will demand breakups. The guys all agree the place has gotten much darker. And Parisi ITMs how this breakup puts everything in perspective. You're deciding if this is a person you want to spend the rest of your life with a huge decision. It's going to be a tough week. There will be more relationships destroyed. By design, again, imagine if the producers didn't bring back Justin Glaze to destroy the relationship. Imagine if they let people play their relationships out however they wanted. That simply isn't what this show is. Serene then STCO's Brandon, who is tearsing about Rodney. He ITMs tears over the whole thing. And Serene reminds him that if she wants to chase after someone else, then she's not for Rodney. And he's going to find somebody better, more suited for him. Brandon turns this entire thing into confirmation that Serene is his everything. He tells her as much. What's not confirmation for Brandon that Serene is his one and only? (laughs) Every single thing that happens. Yeah, anything she does. He wakes up. He sees the sky. Yeah. The dress, Rodney leaving, (laughs) ice cream. But he tells her, literally verbatim, he says, you're the most beautiful person in this dark place. Revealing that, in fact, this experience is dark for all of them, but also you're the most beautiful person in it. This is perfect puppy dog play here, saying, I'm emotionally wounded, but still I see your beauty. Turning someone else's destruction at the hands of the producers into a moment of strengthening his own relationship with Serene. Just, I mean, he's he's turned in a basically flawless season of play up to this point. I mean, I've never seen an all eggs, one basket as heavy handed this, as heavy handed as this. And I watched Dylan and Hannah's season. He says, I'm never going to stop loving you. I'm never going to wake up and feel differently. I, That's called an infinite love level. I'm jealous of this. I'm like, how do you know this about anything? You could get concussed. A brick drops on your head. You don't know who she is. I hope it doesn't happen, <laughs> but I'm just saying. You're saying he's not taking into account amnesia or entire personality erasure in those circumstances you're right maybe maybe it's not gonna work out brandon but i think he knows what he's talking about here 
We move on to portion two, and we see the young twins are doing some sand math. Guess no prenup. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we see the young twins doing some sand math, nine men, nine women. Jacinia hits the idea that big decisions are going to be made this week. Victoria Fuller, Galavane, and Parisi discuss being broken by Eliza's choice, and Galavane gets an ITM in which she says, following your heart doesn't mean people get out unscathed. It's quite the opposite. This here, including this in the cut, is essentially the producer's justifying their own malicious deeds through a player's speech. They definitely got her to say this. All in the name of love. Exactly. You don't come out unscathed, quite the opposite, but that's what this is. You get tested. Your love Scathing. gets tested. Yeah, it's basically, <laughs> you're going to get scathed. A dark place. <laughs> to maybe get a few Instagram followers. And we see the women all hope that Glaze is going to be happy when he sees um, Eliza coming back to find him. We then cut to Baltimore. Eliza's walking the streets en route to Glaze's home. She ITMs. He's not expecting her. And she's hopeful they can pick up where they left off now. She knocks on the door. He opens it. Surprise. It seems that there may not be cameras in there when he opens the door. I'm not sure. But definitely the producers had to make sure he was there uh, and had to tell him they were going to shoot something. It might not have been that they told him it was going to be Eliza. Maybe they said they just needed to get some an interview footage of like the aftermath. I have no fucking idea. But what I do know is that after we get about 30 seconds into this, she comes in, they hug, he ITMs being caught off guard and confused, and they start having this conversation. This is when I start to notice this entire segment looks like it was shot on a fucking cell phone. Did you notice this? <laughs> the video quality of this is is disaster. I mean, it looks like a different TV show. How many people are they flying out to Baltimore besides Eliza? Yeah, I don't know. It might have just That's what I'm saying. Been like her friend shooting it on a cell phone. They were just like, yeah, yeah just make sure you send us some footage. We don't know. By the way, Justin already tweeted about this conversation, a three-hour conversation condensed into 30 seconds and then a eyes, eyebrow raise emoji and a, a shrug man emoji. He's also gone on record. There was an interview that came out with him. I forget what it was, some online outlet, uh, in which he said that the producers told him when he came to the beach that Eliza was talking to other people but not to any of his, in quotes, boys, none of his friends. Then he gets to the beach and the exact opposite is true. He has overtly stated that the producers directly lied to him. Wait, the first time or the second time? Second time. To get him to come back. <laughs> yes, exactly. They were like, we need a resurrection. <laughs> I think we can say that we misinterpreted the term boys. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, they basically just straight lied to him. As, and he's admitting this. I thought you meant like your top two, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Not the outer circle, Rodney. But this this whole fucking thing is like what we've been talking about with the Sauce Wars. He's just openly mm -hmm. now saying like, on something yeah. that isn't even that consequential. Like, they lied to me to get me to come back to try and do this thing. It's like, he didn't get a villain edit in any of this. Nobody looks that bad in any of it. I wouldn't say he got like a hero's edit. No, neither would I. I feel like he kind of got painted as like the person who <laughs> killed Rodney. Maybe a little bit, but here in the scene with Eliza, he is like valid in what he's saying, or at least that's how it's presented. He essentially says, you know, mm -hmm. I wanted somebody who would have picked me first. I was right in front of you. And why didn't you pick me? And she's like, I can't argue with that. We get a few tears and she essentially leaves. And that's the end of the scene. And that's all we're ever going to see of this. That's how they wrapped all that up in a nice, neat bow. They had a good relationship going between Eliza and Rodney. They fucking destroyed that. And now nobody's with anybody and nobody gets to be happy. And they're shooting it all on a cell phone. Eliza is like, gets up 
I thought she was just getting up for a second. And then they make it look like she's like, I'll be right back. And then she just wanders down the street. (laughs) Yeah. She had to go to Starbucks real quick. (laughs) Portion three begins. We get a seagull picking this uh, dead fish, just like a fish head. That was almost my creature of the week until something that happened in the other episode. Everybody's still moping around. We get the sad piano score. People are still talking about how sad they are for Rodney. Florence tells Jacinia they need an exorcism. I thought we might have seen an exorcist appear here. We did not. She ITMs. The vibe is toxic, but she hopes this week will be better. Better vibe. She wants fun and no drama. Spencer here gets some tears. Then Mara a great meets DLP at the gates to hell. She is the official 41st sand. She tells DLP that she's excited because she thought the producers were going to keep her locked in the hotel room for her entire time. She doesn't actually say that. She says, I got a call. Three days later, I'm in paradise. (laughs) That's not how this works. She's in the hotel and now they release her. It's like a racehorse. They open the gate. Now you go. Yeah, it was so weird. She goes to DLP. I hope they don't Alexa Ray Caves me. (laughs) Yeah, Alexa Ray Caves must have gotten a call and they just flew her there that night and she wasn't in the hotel the entire time. She does emphasize that she got the call three days before. Hope I'm walking into a party with tequila. Yeah, it's totally a scripted line. Um, and she, DLP then literally says, it's a positive, happy place. Happy vibes. He knows exactly what's going on. This is the man that you think is empathetic, innocent, all this bullshit. He's straight lying to her face. You cannot deny that. There's no talking around this. He wasn't in the room for the Andrew Spencer next morning tears. You cannot be doing this right now. <laughs> watching the dailies that man is not watching the dailies he's getting his golf on he's playing with his puppy i don't know what you're doing anymore i don't know what this whole (laughs) this act is but this is at this point this act yes you literally villainized him this was in our patreon episode but you villainized him for uh, practicing his lines with a tree you want to hate this man he's probably practicing this line how can i make it seem real when i say it's a positive happy place with happy vibes i know well, it's hell on earth i help design it mara mara is using her catchphrase whenever she can i'm mara like marinara it's time to get saucy and dlp even says bring the sauce mara how can you not he's in the pit uh yeah he's definitely in the pit he also uses huju with some frequency. Sweet man. But he's lying to these people. I mean, that's that's very clear. But he he tells her to come down, bring the sauce. She's saying sauce. She's giving some good face play through this entire thing, I think, as well. Oh, yeah. Thumbs down, womp, womp was almost my face play of the game. It almost was mine, too, until <laughs> a little man named Aaron Clancy did something later in tonight's episode. Ooh, different face plays. Yes, but she nonetheless comes to stand enthusiastically to find everybody sad and silent. Nobody's even standing up to greet her. She ITMs that everybody's sad. <laughs> she explains that she has her first date card in history and it reads, Mara, it's time to get saucy. This is going to be the first of probably 10,000 times we hear the word sauce in our document. Is this a nod to us? Yes. I think yes, without question, 100%. There is no way it could be anything else. That's a conspiracy town I'll go to with you. Thank you very much. Then we get this one-on-one time, Andrew and Mara. Andrew can't even focus on her. As he tells her that he's in a relationship, but it's less further along than anyone else's. He tells her that Rodney's departure has destroyed the entire <laughs> beach. It's not her, he promises. And Mara says uh, she wished she could change the vibe. She ITMs that the beach is like womp womp, and she delivers that sweet face play. Then she pulls Logan. We get there one on one time. He explains that there have been too many love triangles. It'd be tough this late in the game, but his prayers are with her. Uh, she <laughs> ITMs being a late arrival is discouraging, but the purpose is to find connection no matter when you come in. And she pulls Johnny. 
He says his connection is very strong. She doesn't want to waste her time. She pulls Justin Young, finally, and we get this one-on-one time with Justin tomorrow. Florence now is ITMing that she hopes she won't pick Justin, and we're starting to build this rivalry between Mara and Florence. And ultimately, uh, after talking about sweating and being Italian and tanning and birthdays and signs. Capricorns. They're both Capricorns. They find out. After they find that out, they uh, he basically is in. Like Catherine. Catherine's a Capricorn. <laughs> This is your partner on HBO Lex. <laughs> All right. Shout out. Uh, Mara Love Level 1's Justin in this conversation, and she ITMs, I'll play up the cougar thing, which was part of her storyline, her last season on The Bachelor. At portion four begins. We get Kate theorizing about the date. Well, excuse me. There's a casting card at the end of this portion in the commercials. It says, feeling saucy. <gasps> Apply to be on the next season of The Bachelor. What? They're looking for sauce players. Sauce made the casting card? Yep. Then we start portion four. Night falls. The other players theorize that saucy on the date card meant a cooking date. Kate ITMs some colorful narrator work. If they if this date works out for Mara, Flo is on the next flight back to kangaroos and koalas. I think it's Mara, like marinara. I think that's the... What, am I not saying it right? Mara. That's what I'm hearing you say. Uh, yeah, I'm probably fucking it up. My apologies to Mara and everyone who had to listen to my mispronunciations. Thank you. I accept it. But she makes this kangaroos and koalas jokes. Then we get Mara approaching the group, asking to hang with, hang with them. She tells them she took a shot of tequila and she's feeling all kinds of ready. Flo says she'll be ready when she brings Justin back. And Mara... Mara, sorry, <laughs> says a little competition never hurt anybody. And then Florence says, who said anything about competition? This rivalry is is building right before Ooh, our eyes here. Saucy. And we get uh, a nice moment of Mara here saying the word saucy with a little face play flourish on it. But then we see something else. We see the power of one Victoria Fuller. I knew one, you were going to say One it. of the greatest players uh Really in Paradise history and just one of the most interesting players I think that we've ever had in the game for a wide variety of reasons. So essentially what happens is the producers cut in this ITM here from Fuller in which she delivers face play. She delivers pantomime play when she uh, does like a cougar claw and she says, rawr, battle of the cougars. Now, this line was given probably to all of the women, all of the men, or some version of it. The producers had every player come in and sit for an ITM and say, talk about the cougars. We want you to use the word cougar. We want you to talk about the age difference. Make it funny, whatever. All players had this opportunity. I'm 100% sure that. Mm -hmm. And she wins. Victoria Fuller fucking wins it with this. And she's rewarded. She's the only person who gets a like full ITM punctuation of this idea that uh, Mara is too old for the guy she's dating. Outstanding work. She might be the strongest colorful narrator of this season. And she's not <laughs> who I thought it would be. But when she does her ITMs, they're magical. This was almost my face play. Who's a better colorful? I mean, you have Aaron Clancy. Obviously, he's got to be the winner. Yes. Even Bonsall, I would say, is in that category too. Here's the thing that where she beats them. She's more... I don't know if she's more charismatic than Clancy, but there is something about her. You think Bonsall is a better colorful narrator than Victoria Fuller? He's better with catchphrases, yeah. 
but Victoria Fuller ha- has like more of a presence in the ITM. I don't know how else to explain it. She's got like that star quality. Bonsol has yes. just like a, you know, he's the the working man's colorful narrator. He's got the lines and he can deliver them pretty well. He's the writer. Maybe he's the writer. Maybe he's not. I'm not sure who's writing his colorful narrator lines, but he's the writer and she is the leading lady. If it was a movie of about colorful narrators. Exactly. If it was a weird rom-com about colorful narrators. Um, I'm just saying the all three of those players are very good colorful narrators. I like her more than Bonsaw. Her and Clancy for me, that's a hard decision to make because he's got the lines. He's got the charms. Yeah. I I, I forgot for a yeah. second. I'm so sorry. I forgot about Clancy for one second. I agree. I think they are the top two colorful narrators. I don't even think Bonsaw is in that conversation, but that's... You know, interesting. No, I'm not saying that he is either. Mm. I'm just saying that he was a good one. You know, I would even say Kate is a pretty good one. I would put her and Bonsall in the the like man and woman two tier. She's like the villain colorful narrator. <laughs> yeah. Well, Fuller has a little bit of villainous qualities from time to time in her ITMs as well. At any rate. She's not getting a villain at it. Uh, anyway, we get on to <laughs> this one on one between Mara and Justin, and Shanae and Kate are theorizing that Mara's going to lay it on. We arrive at a table in the hotel grounds somewhere, and we meet Chef Dora. I believe this is Chef Dora Vargas, and she's going to teach them how to make churros. Now, Dora Vargas, let me just say, up top, (laughs) Chef Dora was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Dora, if this is the same Dora, Dora Vargas, also a chef, also who worked at this hotel, was in episode nine of BIP7 when she guided Mari Pepin and Kenny Brash through eating tacos off each other's nude forms. And I believe it was also her again in episode 10 of season seven when Anna Redman and James Bonsall himself, the very man we just spoke of, were made to become human churros. So this is a repeat date. She is getting to do it again. This is starting to venture into Jorge Moreno territory. Franco Lacosta territory. Yes, Franco Lacosta territory. This is starting to venture into that. Keep bringing her back. Fred Willard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we even see at the end of this episode, she's in the fucking tag. She's peeking around the corner when they're getting into the, the cold chocolate tub. I know. She's getting... Uh, I mean, there was just... She, obviously, she was going to be my bystander, but there was some another person that I feel must be addressed. Historically, for all... All of these um, reasons, but I am obsessed with Dora Vargas. She is a great comedy player, great face player. That's what you want to do when you're the bystander. Oh, you're not in this scene? Yes, you are. Your face is. You know what she should have done instead of peeking around the corner? At some point, she should have just sprint out from around the back and dove into the pool with them. That would have made the tag, and that would have been fucking legendary. Oh, my God. She should have covered herself in sauce. It's always... Always recommended. <laughs> yeah, they get blindfolded and then she yeah. is just <laughs> dripping sauce on them. <laughs> they think it's their partner. They blindfold them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They each think it's the other one, but it's, it's her. Oh, uh, that that Dora. <laughs> what a rascal. <laughs> if you're listening, Dora, if you're in the pit, 
Think about it for next season. I love recurring bystanders. I think there should be more. Build a whole lore like we are. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what Jorge Moreno did. And now he's got his own tour company. Like, he really has elevated himself through this game. Maybe Dora Vars could do the same. But we see our two daters here, Mara and Justin, mm. uh, rubbing various churro ingredients, including butter, all over each other, set to a porn music score. They also are making out. Meanwhile, back at the beach, we're seeing Clancy and Parisi getting some screen time with a kiss. Victoria Fuller plays a love level one on Johnny. I really like you. She ITMs some future casting. Could see him being her person. She doesn't say that lightly. And all I'm thinking in my head is like, we already know what happens to you, Victoria Fuller. <laughs> I know. It makes every one of her scenes hilarious. You know, spoiler alerts. It's absolutely fucking insane that they're even keeping this in here. We already decided this isn't a spoiler. I'm not going to say what it is, but you'll find out what it is in the uh, the live finale. Um, suffice it to say, anytime she's talking about the future of her relationship with Johnny, it is funny. <laughs> but they have not gone with uh, super deep with each other, and um, it's kind of overwhelming. They don't have much time left. We get this one-on-one time between Victoria Fuller and Johnny. She talks about their blunt, crazy dad. Uh, talks about her blunt, crazy dad who always picks on her. He mirrors. His dad is cold and blunt and picks on him, too. Um, used to call him pork chop and make fun of his weight. They laugh it off. I mean, I would consider this a PTC, his father bullying him. Totally. Uh, I think it's a bullying PTC, a broken family PTC to some degree. He then plays another PTC about his older brother being in prison. And she says, you can tell me anything. And he ITMs that paradise is coming to an end. You have to think about the future. He cares about Victoria, wants her to know all of him. This is not fake for him. And um, Victoria... Fuller's basically becoming the person who is there for him. Uh, again, lol. But <laughs> I thought this PTC play was great. It's It seems like at least this season, it's pretty rare to see a PTC play on Paradise. It's pretty rare to even get a fact about a person other than what their current love level is with their person. I mean, so a PTC, I appreciate it. I'm like, I, I just keep thinking about the whole suitcase storyline yeah. and how we wasted so much time on that when we could actually be getting to know these characters and shipping their relationships harder. It's at this moment that I begin to realize we're about to go into portion five. This is, you know, roughly 45 minutes oh, into God. the episode. Mm -hmm. We have not seen Michael Olio nor Daniel Maltby. And therefore, I must ask you to pack your bags and come with me to... Conspiracy Town. Population. Me. They're living in another home. They're not in the <laughs> Palapas. They have a timeshare somewhere nearby, maybe, but they're not there. There's no way. Where are they? There are these giant scenes with all players laying on daybeds and shit. They're not in them. They're not in those scenes. Where the fuck are they? They're... Shooting their ITMs. They're having a one-on-one. -on -one. For the first four segments of this show, the first four portions, they are not seen. There's all this crazy shit going on. Fucking Mara showed up and asked somebody on a date. They're not there. They weren't on the date beds when Mara asked someone on a date? Interesting. No, I rewound that shit. I'm not going to go there to this conspiracy town with you. Okay. I think it would be a hard thing to cover up if one couple was staying at a hotel. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They're not covering it up. It's right there. They did the document. 
Oh my God. My brother in Christ. <laughs> my sister in Christ. I just want to make sure that you know, I don't mean this to disparage Michael Alia or Daniel Maltby. They're just doing what they're doing. Oh yes. The producers are setting all this shit up and they're doing what must be done. I'm not saying that that makes them better or worse players or anything like that. I'm talking about this is the producers constructing the show in such a way that these two people yeah. who are one of your major relationships are not present for almost half of the first episode. I want to make that clear. We are not criticizing them. We are. This is when we say protected player, we mean that the producers favor them and want and like ship their relationship. Basically, it doesn't have anything to do with Olio or Danielle. To be clear, uh, we see in portion five a little moment between Genevieve and Clancy. She recognizes his day one entry shorts. We see a bunch of kisses between them two, Danielle and Olio, Johnny and Victoria. That's the first time we see them. <laughs> it's the first image of them. And I thought to myself again. I'm still kind of in conspiracy town. I'm just okay. Did you ever get any conclusive evidence that there was a Susie Evans chamber on Clayton's season? No, of course not. What do you mean? <laughs> no. So what? What would cause you to believe when no evidence surfaced of that deduction? Deduction. It's seeing what I'm seeing. They give me this document. What am I supposed to do? Not fucking study it. I'm going to study the document. If you give me a document. It's going to be studied by me. I'm studying it. <laughs> As am I. I'm doing the studying and the conclusions I'm coming to through mm -hmm. my studies. Again, <laughs> these academic conclusions are that there was a Susie Evans chamber. There was a Phantom Night one. And there is a separate residence in BIP season eight. The Maltby Olio residence. Look, I love your lack. Your <laughs> lack. Thank your you. Your love of academia. It's one of my favorite things about you. But this one just feels like maybe they're just edited out for some reason or they had to do it while they're shooting their ITMs. I just feel like there's a simpler explanation that makes sense. But mm -hmm. I would expect nothing less from a DLP apology. Shots fired. I'm trying to do it how Victoria Fuller did it. <laughs> <laughs> they're about to pop off. What did she say? Oh, whatever. <laughs> anyway, Logan... <laughs> Uh, talks to Olio about how the Rodney stuff brought everyone closer, but I gotta have a conversation with Kate about that rose ceremony where she shit on him. And he ITMs that one problem keeps coming up. She's hinting I'm not giving her enough. And uh, we see Kate ITM. The biggest gap in our position is our position in life. He's a 26-year-old, not established, drives an orange Honda, has a broken phone, is a dog walker. This is a lot of roasts in one uh, one sentence. Yeah. I'm wowing. I want to be wowed. So you're right. She is a strong, colorful narrator. I'm not sure people are on her side. No, because she's, she's playing it from like a, a very bad angle. Although she's doing it in a way... That's the thing. She's getting so much screen time from this. She's one of the stars of Paradise. Exactly. And so you have to weigh the... Yeah. Is this a good play or a bad play? I don't know. Ultimately... I guess it's depend on it depends on we look to the numbers. <laughs> Logan pulls her and they talk about how they're rattled from the breakup and he tells her he was hurt from the rose ceremony and she says sorry if it felt like critiquing the gr but the growth we had was driven by me steering the ship and I don't want it to always be that way. 
He's just like, <laughs> you're not steering. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the captain now. <laughs> uh, and then Logan says, well, when we were on the couches, I publicly addressed how I felt in front of everyone. The way I show I care are not things you're necessarily picking up on. And I want you to understand me. She's like, I didn't know you saying something in front of the group was a thing. He's like, it didn't carry any weight. She's like, don't put words in my mouth. You're acting like this is a grand gesture I was blind to. When I pull you for a different convo, a difficult convo, I want you to show up. I don't want to pry things out. I want you to fight for me. Why didn't you tell me to not go on the date? She's hitting this again. Logan says, I would have loved for it to go like, no, you should take someone else. And Kate says, I don't see why this is an issue. You have all these pent up thoughts and opinions and give two word answers. And he says the wiring is behind it. There's something about wiring here. Yeah. And he says, I really do think about you all the time. She loves that. But these covers are tough, but that's where the growth is. Make out. So problem resolved. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I mean, and like you're saying, it's a very similar. We've already seen this fight. We've seen them have this exact same conversation. It always comes down to, I want a guy who's going to forbid me from uh, going on these dates. You didn't forbid me. Okay. I mean, like, I, it was a it was a weird conversation at the beginning. I mean, we talked about it in our recap because Eliza did essentially the same thing to Rodney. Uh, at roughly, the, I think it was in the same episode, in fact. It was a strategy that was like, I wanted you to tell me not to go on the date, and you didn't do that, so I went on the date, and now I hate you, basically, you know? <laughs> That's kind of how it, it all rolled down. It's an interesting strategy. We'll see how it works in the future. I think it's going to be a hard thing to play again, but... Who knows? Portion six then begins daytime. We see Clancy, Johnny, and Logan are teaching uh, Victoria Fuller what nectar means. Have you heard this word? No, I haven't. Um, I, it seems like a beachy thing. It seems like a San Diego crew type thing. So I think it probably might have originated mm. with Clancy. But I don't know. Johnny might be in there too. He's got some surfer vibes. The San Diego crew lexicon. I love team words. I do as well. And we really see why Clancy is a star of paradise this year in this ITM where he lays out the the definition. Nectar means anything good in the world. Perfect, colorful narrator. Catchphrase work here. This is what I'm saying. Easily as good as Victoria Fuller, I think. He goes on to say, when you take that first sip of of iced cough and it trickles down to hit the lower intest, that's nectar as well. This is genius, I wrote. All caps, bolded. Genius work here. Victoria Fuller (laughs) then gets to try out the phrase herself with some surfer lingo. This is a scene made of nothing. It's just them talking in weird uh, gibberish words, their own little fucking language. Mm -hmm. And it plays a full scene. Gets them all screen time. This is a page literally out of How to Win the Bachelor written by myself and Lizzie Pace. Always be funny. It's one of our strategies, one of our main things. When there's nothing going on, you're not involved in a date, you're not involved in some kind of drama, you're just sitting around with other players, be fucking funny. It gets in the show. And we have seen it happen here. We see Mara greet Justin in the morning at the bar. She ITMs, we got lost in the sauce last night and talks about the chocolate churro with meets the other (laughs) twin. And we see this dynamic where Flo is right next to them and she did not get her morning kiss and hug and is upset about that. She walks by him and says, thanks, Justin. I'm Florence, by by the way. (laughs) Unreal. I think she's being way (laughs) underutilized. I think she's got some skills that we're just not seeing. It makes me want to watch her 
her Australia stuff. Absolutely. They hid her in the beginning, and she's so funny. I agree. I think she's just completely underutilized. And it may be the... Uh, I mean, I can only think that it has something to do with, like, the American producers are, are kind of like, well, why are we doing this? Fuck this. Let's just stick to the American players. Because they didn't produce her season. They don't know really anything about her unless they've watched the shows. They have produced the seasons of all of the American players. They know them. They've had time with them, you know? I think it's probably something to do with that, but... Yeah, and I bet they, like probably like look down on the other country shows probably a little bit but uh mara then sits mara sorry god damn it i will get this mara sits with the other players to discuss her stepfather's italian heritage and florence says it's getting weird clancy itms that justin is cool and young and wet and it seems there's some competition between <laughs> the older women for the younger men logan then gets in this itm in which he wonders if uh this is daycare and if their mom is going to come pick them up afterwards and this is again proof positive of the fact that the producers made them all talk about this cougar scenario or whatever. And it was Victoria Fuller who delivered the best line. And so she got that edit in up top with it. We then see, uh, Florence is complaining to Maltby. Kate is ITMing being here for, um, the drama, as long as she's not a part of it, which I thought was funny. And then Florence tells Justenia she's going to leave because she's being ignored. Maltby then ITMs that Florence is a woman who won't wait for a boy and then calls her a saucy minx. And then the hottest, crusty, old <laughs> sea hag that anyone's ever seen. Huh? What? Okay. I already have a conspiracy town about this. Yeah. It's such a not Daniel Maltby line that I'm like, of course, this must have been a question. Like, do you agree that with other people that Flo is a hot, is a crusty old sea hag? And she's like, no, but if she is, she's the hottest crusty old sea hag there ever was or something. Yes, I 100% agree with you. I don't even think that's conspiracy town. Why else would she say any of this? I don't know. <laughs> Pure producer manipulation. Justin then comes to stop Florence from talking and takes her for a chat. Maltby gets a producer-forced ITM in which she calls Florence Hurricane Flow. So we get some more of that uh, producer-scripted mm -hmm. angry women are uh, natural disasters and storms mm -hmm. of destruction. And then we get the one-on-one -on -one time with Justin and Flow. Yes, we are. Oh. Florence <laughs> tells Justin... <clears throat> That she only had one connection. It's not working out how she wanted. She confronts him about not speaking to her. She doesn't want to be just an option. She wants to be someone uh, who is sure that the other person wants to get to know. And Justin tells her that he had a great date with Mara, but he would rather pursue a connection with her than Mara. Mara ITMs that she feels like part of a love triangle and she wants to get, to get down to two dots, a line. I thought that was good. Uh, colorful narration work. Very funny. She comes over to interrupt this one-on-one -on -one talk. Florence takes off to give them a moment together, and she ITMs that Mara is a magpie who swoops roses. <laughs> I found that interesting. Is the magpie an Australian bird? I don't know. One-on-one -on -one time. One-on-one <laughs> -on -one time between Justin and Mara. He tells her he's confused. They had a great date, and she's amazing, but he thinks for now he feels a greater connection with Florence. Justin is wearing, in this shot, a Russell athletic shirt. You can see the Russell logo. I thought that was very what is strange. That? It's like a Nike or a Adidas or whatever, something like that. Maybe mm. like a slightly lower scale, but usually they blur this shit out or they don't let you wear stuff with logos. Somehow he got it in. Oh, interesting. I was like, does Russell Brand make clothes? <laughs> no, the brand Russell <laughs> Athletic. Sorry. 
He's wearing a Russell Brand fan shirt. Big picture of Russell Brand right in the middle of his chest. How did I miss that? Yeah. <laughs> he tells Mara that he feels this better connection with Flo. And she's like, what happened in the last 12 hours? And he's like, being with her was different. Hope you find someone. And she does a great, great face play in response to this. And they hug and they play this goddamn circus music as she walks away. She does this like sexy walk down the beach and they play circus music. And I thought, my sister in Christ, I am also in my 30s. And this was rotten, this music. (laughs) Everything they do is that. Unless you are one of the scripted hero couples, you're going to get fool music for no reason. You're going to get villain music for no reason. The shit they did to fucking Ensi in her exit, which we will fucking get to. Oh, my God. Oh, that that was rotten. It's unbelievable. If you are not one of the chosen players, if you are not a protected player, you're fucked. That's literally everyone now. They don't let... There's like... I would say last season it wasn't quite this bad. You look at somebody like a Demi Burnett. She didn't mm-hmm. end that season with anybody. She wasn't a hero player, but she's a respected player in the structure of the fucking game as a whole. And she came, by the way, before the bubble seasons. But they let her do her thing, and she got to have some funny moments, and she got to have some dramatic moments, but they never turned her into a villain, and they never made her a fool. Ever. She's Demi. She's a star of the fucking show. I mean, she was the villain of Bachelor. Yeah, yeah. I would argue she sometimes got villain edits with the whole Kenny Mara storyline. Yeah, maybe, but not like this. Not like ridiculed. Not like NC. Yes, not the ridicule is really what it is. If I were NC, I would just like fucking break my contract after this. After that, I would just I would just spill everything I knew. I think we're about to get that. There are so many players that are just like, like we've said, every edit is now contradicted immediately. You've got Justin Glaze coming out and saying the producers lied to me to get me to come back a second time. Like somebody's just going to fucking unload it all. I think that's coming very soon. But nonetheless, we see here that uh, Kate ITMs, there isn't a meatball on the beach to go with all of Mara's sauce. I thought that was a good line. And why isn't there a meatball? I agree. Maybe he was like, you know what? You forced me to pour sauce over myself and turn my entire life into a joke enough. I'll have no more of that. Victoria Fuller ITMs that Mara's chances of finding a connection on the beach are zero. And if she was a betting woman, she would say Mara is going home 1,000%. Mara produces tears again. And we get a little casting card for seniors looking for love. Portion 7 begins. Spencer walks the sand. He ITMs going through a lot of highs and lows without Rodney being there. He's happy to eat breakfast with Jacinia and just kind of chill. She ITMs a loaded love level 1 for him, and she hopes they can sustain through the hard times. And Logan and Olio then have a guy chat about Kate. Logan tells him it was rocky, but they got through it. He sends Kate a drink, and Logan ITMs <laughs> that he is not usually a guy who can put his emotions to the forefront. Kate then talks to some other players around her. Well, he did send me this drink, but then she jokes that it was free. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That shit was fucking savage, sinister. This is a consistent character. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a character. I'll be honest. I think this is pretty much her. She might be pushing it a Mm. little hard, but the volume, the tonnage. I think she's absolutely exaggerating. It was great, though. A fantastic. That would be my theory. But yeah, that <laughs> that was hilarious. To me, she dips into that kind of like 
classic villain style. And and Kira Maggie suited this a little yeah. bit in the beginning of the season too. Kira's yeah. was a little more like wild, like what the fuck is she doing? She's like over here, over there, all exiting this guy, ultimating this guy, and now I'm in the boom boom room. She she was basically just like down to do anything. Kate though is more of like one of those classic villains who is materialistic but plays it off like she's not. But it's like clearly she fucking is and seems to embrace it seems to enjoy it and love it there's no fear in her about her villainy i don't even know if there's awareness mm-hmm. honestly in her about her villainy but everybody else <laughs> when they start to suspect they might be saying something or getting in a situation that could get them a villain edit you can see they repress it you can see that they're not going to go there she doesn't yeah. give a fuck there is definitely a bravery in kate's play style yeah. that we're not seeing to be very common anymore and like even who she was targeting was like a brave yeah. thing to like go after the person that her friend was with. Speaking of going after people, we get our 42nd sand. It is NC. And she ITMs that she is interested in Andrew Spencer. She pulls him and he's like, I know who you are. You're from New York. And he says he's on his last leg right now. <laughs> This poor guy. Oh, fuck. A little foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, NC has a date card. And we get 43rd and last sand, Lindsay. She performs a steal from Kate of Logan. And Logan ITMs, she's definitely a babe. And he tells her, you were a person I wanted to meet. And the two, NC and Lindsay, read their dual date card. It's never too late to fall in love, making fun of the fact that they are last sand. And these last sands, it, it's worth noting like how the producers mm-hmm. do this, to my knowledge anyway. This is not 100% locked in. This is just what I believe based on what I'm seeing in the document. They fly out all the different people. At the same time. Uh, yeah, some may come in in a later wave, like a week later. But certainly not like, I got a call and three days later, I'm out here. What they do is they see what shakes out in the beach, who gets involved in like messy love triangles, who doesn't have somebody. And then they bring in people that they know those people are interested in. So they look at Logan mm-hmm. and they're like, oh shit, him and Kate are like having these arguments all the time. Who was on his list? Lindsay Wyndham. Bring her in now and mm-hmm. Lindsay action. They literally send her in to bust up a conversation he's having with Kate, like a fucking guided missile. And they do the same thing, obviously, with um, Ancy. She was on Andrew Spencer's list. So let's throw her in there to potentially fuck with him and now Jacenia. Yeah, it's for love. It's This is the process. <laughs> yeah, nobody gets out unscathed. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the dark place. Uh, <laughs> NC asks Andrew Spencer, and he says yes. Justenia issues some excellent face play here. And Lindsay asks Logan, and he says, let me talk to Kate. Logan is not good about timing his conversations. He keeps no. getting in this situation where he hasn't spoken to someone. Or they're preventing Yeah, he keeps getting in these situations. It's like he doesn't have a fucking choice. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it was halfway out of my mouth, and I already heard it. I mean, look, we're going to get to what happened to him in the second episode of the two that we're going to fucking recap. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. In this next episode. Portion eight of episode one, however, begins. It is one on one time between Logan and Kate. Johnny is ITMing that if he were Logan, he'd be exploring something else. And Kate tells 
Logan, that she's surprised he's even entertaining this date based on their conversation last night. He says the conversation meant something, something to him. That's why he's talking to her now. He tells her that he thinks she's critical and frustrated with him at all, all times. And it feels like she looks down on him. And she's like, wait a minute. What? I don't look down on you. Meanwhile, we've seen an hour of footage of her talking about he didn't buy the drink and his, yeah, the orange car. What's the gym? The gym all of it. <laughs> Equinox. Not at Equinox. Uh, walking dogs. <laughs> But she tells him that at this stage, things are different and she does not want him to go on the date. Kate ITMs that Logan is resentful about the date she went on with Hayden. And that was literally eons ago. It was, I think, about three days ago. And she says, I'm a different person now, <laughs> which I found pretty funny. Logan then pulls Lindsay yeah. as Kate tells the other players that they had a crazy conversation and everything is different now. And she ITMs that he's a child. Uh, name a moment where I was critical of you. She says, we've seen her be critical of him the entire season. Gave these producers a lot to work with for the villain edit here. Mm -hmm. We see that one-on-one -on -one time where Logan then tells uh, Lindsay, sorry, I'm with Kate. Uh, I can't go with you. And we see Kate then is relieved that Logan doesn't go on the date. And Lindsay tells the group she'll be going home. So this self-elimination, she was on sand for maybe half an hour. Who was there longer, Lindsay or Suitcase? Oh, Suitcase. Suitcase got way more screen time than Lindsay did. Sally Carson. I think Sally Carson probably got a little more as well. A little more. Mm. Um, nonetheless, we see Logan and Kate kissing. And all I could think was like, what is what does she think is going to happen when Logan is watching this back? Let's say that they actually are in a relationship after uh, Paradise. And they're like, oh, time to uh -huh. watch back, honey. And she's just like doesn't have enough money, drives a shitty car, can't work out at the gym. Like, does she not know that he would potentially be watching all of this? <laughs> I don't know. Is it a character she's know. playing? I don't know. It's very hard for me to tell. Nonetheless. I don't know. I mean, that's what I would say. I'd be like, honey, it was my character. I was doing art. We were, we had that boomerang strategy set up the whole time. Like you knew that. <laughs> I mean, look, if that is the case, more power to them. If this is just straight, all hundred percent gameplay, fucking brilliant. I mean, more power to anyone. You know what? I would like to be a hundred percent gameplay is the Aaron Clancy Genevieve boomerang. That is a soap opera, a be gorgeous, God. beautiful thing. It really, like what they're creating together. I don't know how much of it is play scripted or improv. I, I don't know. I don't know what the percentages are. But Jesus Christ, it's incredible. I, I don't yeah. know that I've seen anything quite like it. And we'll obviously get to the next episode soon. I get excited deep in my intestines. <laughs> in <test> <laughs> Wait, what was it? In Lower intestines. <laughs> Aaron Clancy's tingling your lower intestines. Uh, all right. So <laughs> we then go to portion nine. Intestines flutters. Yeah. <laughs> Jacinia is ITMing about not wanting Andrew Spencer to go on this date with NC, and then Andrew and NC go on their date. They encounter a cactus, a beach ball, a little picnic area. He ITMs that he likes Jacinia, but he's not sure they're on the same page. NC is a kick to his heart, he says. They play some football, some other beach games. They're playing catch here, and then they talk. He tells her he's been trying to find sparks, hasn't gone his way, but he got a spark when he saw her. They eat some oysters. They make all these jokes about them being aphrodisiacs. Uh, NC ITMs that the oysters are larger than anything she's ever consumed. Andrew visibly gags while eating them. And this gag was almost my face play of the game. A little bit of a fear factor element to this day. Yeah, Andrew Spencer is another person who just truly lights up whenever he's on screen, even when he is doing the sad boy edit thing. I agree. He is so entertaining. 
he has like a very vibrant style too. And just like, it's always like interesting to watch and him doing this oyster oyster play was excellent. He's always doing like celebratory gestures too. Yeah. He's great. Great TV presence. And NC teaches him love level one. Do you know what language this is? I believe it was Korean. Um, Oh, I thought it was a beautiful play. It's basically an aloha to get him to say a love level one without him knowing that he's doing it. Uh, fantastic. I don't know that I've seen something quite like that, but we get some kissing here. And they both seem to be happy. We begin portion 10. Ansi tells Parisi about the date with Andrew. And Olio and Gallivan give Spencer and Aberdeen the stamp of approval. They deserve happiness. He gets an ITM legitimizing the relationship. That seems to be their primary role this whole season, legitimizing other relationships. Jacinia then complains to Shanae about this not being a great scenario. She likes Andrew and expected things to work out with him, but she doesn't know where the dice lie at this moment. Andrew pulls Jacenia to have that talk in this one-on-one time. Spencer tells her that he's in a difficult situation. He's just trying to find happiness, and he apologizes for dragging her into it. She deserves more than he could give. She says, you haven't given uh, me much of an opportunity uh, to get you out of your funk. And he says, NC had good energy, fresh start. And he's basically saying, I think I'm going to go with her, and I just needed to figure some things out. Uh, they hug and Jacinia mm-hmm. produces some tear play here. She ITMs feeling defeated, more tear play. She thought they had gained enough ground to figure things out instead uh, of going on this new date to end paradise. That way doesn't make sense to her. She marches up the stairs in tears and ITMs. She thought she had a safe space with Andrew. She thought he was there in the same safe space, but he was not. And uh, she tells Maltby she needs to leave. So we end on that little cliffhanger. Portion 11, we get this little happy couple moment between Tyler and Brittany. Logan tells them his doubts about Kate. And Logan ITMs, he's pretty drained from situations he's put himself in. And we then see, Logan, you're at your last, you're on your last thread. Who we, who we got up next? Gabby and Rachel Recchia, they oh. enter and everyone shrieks. It's unbelievable. Um, Recky even says in an ITM paradise is never going to be the same. And then we get the promo for the next episode coming up. And the tag after that promo is Mara and Justin getting into this giant, I guess she calls it a sombrero of like cold chocolate, (laughs) more torture for them to fucking go through. And they're like, fuck it. I guess we got to do this. Meanwhile, Chef Dora Vargas is in the background, peeking around the corner, doing a little, a little love bit, it. doing some comedy acting. Fucking love her. God damn it. I love it. I hope she sets up like a whole like business where you can go and do this <laughs> with your dates. And then she like helps you like prepare real churros. Like, you know, the Dora experience. <laughs> <laughs> you can come to this place and get the official Dora Vargas experience where she rolls you up in a fucking taco and slathers like sour cream on you and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it'd be fun. I would do it. <laughs> Sounds like a thing at Burning Man. Portion, four- <laughs> <laughs> Portion 14. Now we're on to episode 14. <laughs> we get a promo. People are thinking about engagements and then we get this itch the first hint that we're getting this itching versus pain fight. And we see the tiniest little crab cross sand. Then we get kisses between all the couples. Maltby, Ollie, Clancy, Genevieve, Logan, Kate, Brandon, and Serene. And then a dark crow. Oh, are we re-watching the last five minutes from yes, last episode? 
Oh, yes, we are. Yes. It's the Rachel Recchia and Gabby Windy entrance again. Yes, handhold. Gabby shows her rings to the ladies and they scream. This is also, <laughs> when is this shot? Both of them are engaged. I think this is shot. It's before their season starts airing, but it's after it's completed, obviously. Um, mm. So I don't know exactly when, but we get this idea as they're coming in that the women are all happy to see them. The guys are not. And Shanae ITMs that Logan, Johnny, and Tyler's faces went white when they came in. And the crowds ITM that it's weird to see their exes and they don't know what to say if it's someone they don't necessarily enjoy. We know so much. We have insight. And we're presented with this idea now that even villains in Paradise are not going to be allowed a fucking redemption if the producers don't want it to happen. You might have gotten a shitty villain edit in the main game that you managed to leave behind and you're coming here and maybe you're even in a successful relationship or something you want to pursue. Something that maybe has some problems, but you think you can work it out. Now you can't even leave that shit behind anymore. I mean, this is kind of what we saw with Clayton Eckerd too. He obviously got a massive villain edit, but the idea that like it doesn't end, that season doesn't end. We're going to do whatever the fuck we want to you to serve our purposes. And right now, the producer's purposes are to grind you into fucking dust and make you have nervous breakdowns and giant group fucking breakdowns and just turn everyone in the show who's not a protected player into somebody who is sobbing and uh, demanding to be let out of the support for today's episode comes from one skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about one skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And OneSkin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. 
Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the, the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. Y- you got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my... Um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no rollback waistband. Mm. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash roses. That's meundies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. Meundies. Comfort. From the outside in. This game. So anyway, Gabby then shows her engagement <laughs> ring, which gets some excited screams. Sparkler screams, the highest pitch of all. And the guys, <laughs> they get a go- good opportunity for comedy and a forced guy chat about the crown showing up. And Clancy does something here. That was my... Face... Play of the game. Ooh. Clancy does an impersonation of Parisi. In the Clancy Parisi facial impersonation, he screeches like a dinosaur. They all say it sounds like a pterodactyl. And he opens his mouth to, I would guess, about 85% aperture. But the way he contorts it into a dinosaur scream in service of this impersonation of Parisi screeching when she saw the engagement ring, it was just a thing of beauty. And again, you can count on this man to deliver the comedy in virtually any situation. So they've given these guys a comedic premise. And the aperture. And the aperture. Uh, They've given the guys a comedic premise, and he does it the best. Clearly out of this. Loved this face play from him. We see Rachel Reckia and Gabby give their crowns on sand approval to t- uh, to Tyler in this girl chat. I guess they are cutting out the conversation that's not Gabby and Rachel Reckia are trying to date people. Oh, it's because of the rings. <laughs> I was like, how do they not? How do they know that they're not like a Becca Kufrin? They hype up Tyler. Britt is very excited about this, and. Victoria Fuller says, oh my God, Victoria Fuller says she doesn't know which person Johnny dated of them too. Yeah. Is this some sort of fucking mind game? How is that possible? What do you mean? That she has been dating Johnny this whole time and he doesn't tell her which one of the bachelorettes he dated? I mean, she said they didn't get very deep. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That just seemed wild to me. Uh, 
And Victoria tells them that they are at love level three. And we see Logan summing up for the guys his edit on their season that he had switched teams. And we also see Shanae and Kate describing this Logan history. And <laughs> we uh, we kind of know what Gabby and Rachel are yeah. there for at this time. Portion two, we get the guy chat. Clancy says something from C's to get degrees. Did you know what this was? Uh, he Logan said that he was hoping for a good report card. And he's like, I think he said something like, I want to get an A or B. And then Clancy was like, hey, dude, C's get degrees. You never heard that <laughs> phrase? C is just like passing. C's get degrees. No, I never heard that. Well, as long as you pass, you get your degree. <laughs> I thought he meant C's like the ocean. I was like, no, I think he I meant like grades in, in school. Oh my God. Um, at the Force Girl Chat, Rekia then says she does not respect Logan because he flip-flopped. Kate pulls them then into a private chat, and we get this two-on-one time with the Crowns and Kate. Kate Gallivant pulling Rachel Rekia and Gabby Wendy into this girl chat, private girl chat with former Crowns, was my... Play, 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 play of the game. I feel like, look, it's probably producer set up that Kate is yeah. going to be the one who gets to have this conversation. But I, I do so. feel like any player could have done this. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was like, oh, is this Kate, Kate's idea? I honestly wouldn't put it past her. And huh. I'm going off of that premise. All right. Um, but it's just like, it's such a fantastic way to get screen time and if it doesn't even matter if they say horrible negative things about your partner. She's still going to yeah, probably stay with him. Um, no. And it elevates her for sure, because it's like her talking to two bachelorettes as though they're all on the same level. Yes. And her talking to them was, it's also this conversation. Kate says that they have great chemistry and Gabby's like, even what we just heard, we were like, not again. And Rachel Recky says, starts theorizing on Logan and yeah. is like, he needs to have the power. I don't respect Logan. And I was like, wait, Rachel Rackie is saying, I don't respect Logan twice. I don't think so. I think they just played it here and earlier. And she says he doesn't, she doesn't think he's changed. What? She hasn't talked to him at all in paradise. She's literally been there for like 20 minutes as, as far as we're telling. There's no basis to make this claim. I think it's a producer fed line. We need you to go in there. And basically fucking tear down Logan. You don't think he's changed. He didn't respect you on the show, whatever. And then uh, she even ends the conversation by going, so Kate, what are you going to do? And then Gabby's like, you know what to do. The insinuation is you have to dump him. I think this is all scripted, especially hmm. coming off that season Bachelor 19, uh, Bachelorette 19, where they're having all those scripted girl chats. Like they're just in that mode still. And the producers are like, we need you to go down there and say this. And they did it. Yeah, they're like, we need a one of your famous girl chats that everyone loved. By the way, Kate throughout this season is holding Gabby's leg and says, you guys need to be my cheerleader. And when they're walking away, she's clutching Rachel Recchia. She has befriended these double crowns. Yeah. In like, I mean, they're, everyone screamed when they came in because that is the epitome of the nation at that time. The people who are the bachelorette. And so to make this instant connection with them, I just thought was very impressive. I agree with you. But as instant as the connection was, 
the breaking of that connection is equally as instant because both of the crowns, after coming <laughs> down to basically say Logan's a piece of shit, then immediately evaporate. They're gone. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. They were just brought in to kick Logan in the balls and then leave. That was it. That was their whole purpose is to come in and try and make that relationship destroy itself. If they don't come in, if they don't put this in her head, whether it's actually in her head or not, I don't know if she's like playing a full game. I don't know how what her ratio of 4TR to 4TWR is. I really don't. But let's assume that it's not a game. Let's assume that it's she's 100% 4TRR. You can't, you can't calculate it like Aperture? I'd say she's probably a... She may be a 50-50. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm just saying that... The only reason to bring them in to do this is to destroy the relationship. Whether it's 4TWR or 4TRR, doesn't really matter. The only motivation to send these crowns in to have this conversation is to fucking wreck that relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not to test the relationship. They didn't have them hosting the Sadie Hawkins exactly. dance. They brought them in as guided missiles to destroy the weak relationship. And that is it. And again, this is proof that you can now not escape whatever you did in the main game. Unless you're, again, a protected player scripted from the beginning, when you come to paradise, you're fucked. Period. Unless you're Thomas. Yeah. God damn. I mean, is he maybe... <laughs> is he the greatest paradise player of all time, Big Body? Perhaps. God damn. Yeah. I know. Uh, we begin portion three. At Logan is talking to Tyler about the warning that he can see that Kate is getting. Before we get that, we get a little creature. He <laughs> he. There's a little creature creeping along oh, the top God. of a fence. That see? noise. Yes. This creature <laughs> is a raccoon. And this creature was my. <laughs> creature of the week. Not only is this raccoon strutting his stuff on the fence of paradise. He's setting up a three-shot story that he will be completing a little bit later in the episode. And I'll get to that, rest assured. But this is my creature, and now let's follow his journey. This raccoon who skulked across the porch representing this high-tension fight between Genevieve and Clancy Perhaps the same raccoon that spoke to Claire Crawley on these very sands a long time ago in Paradise was also my... (laughs) Creature of the week. Raccoons. I have always had a soft spot for raccoons. Not, you know, the other one we won't mention. I've seen a lot of raccoons uh, in videos on YouTube. I, I think it was Pocahontas. I, I got a little stuffed raccoon. Did she have, Yeah, she had a raccoon, I think. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh... <laughs> but eventually we get this ITM from Logan saying that he wants to reassure Kate that he's someone who knows what he wants. And the Chiron on this ITM reads, can't seem to do anything right. That is in place of where they usually have the profession on this Chiron. And this was my... Wowie moment of the week. I couldn't believe they put this. Even in text now, they are. They're getting loose with the Chirons. 
loose with the Chirons. They usually are a little looser in Paradise than they are in either of the main games. But here the Chiron is, it's actively painting him in a bad light. Can't mm-hmm. do anything right. Nonetheless, Olio reads this uh, date card after he's come in proclaiming, gather round, nerds. All the nerds do gather around. And Tyler gets the date card. Time to shoot your shot. He asks Brittany. She accepts. He ITMs that he wants uh, this couple to be like the other couples. Essentially saying, I want this to be a higher profile couple than it currently is. He is like, I'm a third place finisher or fourth place finisher. Uh, I deserve more than this. (laughs) Elevate me. He's demanding it here. And we see that raccoon walk across a path one more time. This is the second shot of the raccoon. Parisi and Clancy are then somewhere we can't see. This is the Mike Room Chiron, a new setting we have not seen in Paradise, not a Palapa, not the Boom Boom Room, but another holy site. And we, we don't get to see the visuals of this, but we see the audio. Genevieve tells Clancy she's feeling so impatient, and Clancy says there's nothing to stress about. She says, I'm not stressed, I'm annoyed. Clancy says that's like saying itching and pain are the same thing. Look it up. And they get in this argument about whether itching and pain are the same thing. And Aaron Clancy starting an argument about the differences and similarities <laughs> between itching and pain was my <laughs> play, 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 play of the game. I mean, it. then what unfolds before us is Florence gets an STD joke in the ITM. Olio is at the bar trying to explain to Wells now is brought into this, what this argument is even about, which he then calls in an ITM the stupidest fight in the history of fights. The argument continues, as does Wells ITMing about this place making him dumber, he says. Logan and a young twin discuss the argument. We see Parisi then try to explain how uh, the argument was to someone who can't who we can't see maybe a producer somebody just off screen serene's weighing in an itm doesn't think they're the same thing (laughs) parisi says she's done and then we get something interesting we get an itm from somebody who's not a player we see this man he is sweating his name reads bruce and his chiron reads boom operator and this sweaty boom operator <laughs> Boom operator. <laughs> Bruce. <laughs> Boom operator. <laughs> I'm only ever going to say that. This boom operator <laughs> was my. Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. We, 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 we. Oh. He is unexplained. There is no intro to this, except I assume he works in the mic room. And he says, I've been here seven years, micing contestants. A lot of the crew are familiar with itch because there are really bad bugs here. But I'll tell you what's causing pain listening to this argument. I was so stunned by this moment i was like what is happening like we've seen you know like a funny character something will pop in from time to time we've seen i believe big Polly has given itms before i would guess but to have this 
boom operator come in here and he's holding a, a mic while he's yeah. in this as like a little bit telling this joke that sounds like sounds like a different grandpa, not grandpa clues, a less cooler grandpa. Yeah. There is a producer or maybe multiple producers. I don't know. There is somebody currently in the producer tier who thinks that they are very funny and can come up with very good sketches. And this oh is, God. in my opinion, this is part of the legacy of BIP season eight that started with that weird Sally suitcase sketch that they had Wells and some other producer. That person actually may be the same person as the boom operator, the one in the wig, mm. the producer who has to like get in the back of the trunk. Oh my God. You think this is another one of his characters is a mic operator? It might be. I'm not sure. I, I, I don't have any evidence of this. They just kind of in my mind were like similar in look, but this is the same kind of thing. It's a pure comedy attempt, a pure sketch mm -hmm. bit. This is all produced, all written, all acted. I don't know if that's a real boom guy or not, but there's this idea that in Paradise you can do these like, oh, we'll do some funnier elevated things. Whoever's coming mm -hmm. up with that stuff, these things aren't landing. And I'm not saying that as a disparaging remark or anything. This is objectively true. <laughs> Nobody's laughing at this shit. Um, you got to get somebody else to do it now. I think they've had their chance. And it's time to move to the other comedy producer oh on, the, <laughs> on the show. <laughs> Just one man's opinion, that's all. One grandpa's uh, opinion. My brother in Christ. <laughs> my grandpa in Christ. <laughs> I do not want anyone fired based on my comments. <laughs> no, I'm not saying fire anybody. I'm just saying give somebody else a chance to crack a joke or two. That's all. We see... Genevieve packing her oh, bags oh. yet again. She's shouting, get me a car, please, or I'll hitchhike. She's planning her own fence jump moment. <laughs> Genevieve hitchhiking. I love it. She doesn't even have fucking shoes on. She goes barefoot on the jungle path, driving these <laughs> suitcases, these bags. I loved it. I did too. And you think to yourself, it's high drama. This is the second time she's fully packed all of her shit and has hit the jungle <laughs> yeah. path for sure. This time she's really gone. You feel that there's no way yeah. you wouldn't hit the jungle path with your bags twice. Exactly. There's no way that this can be brought back from the brink. And yet there's this man involved named Darren Clancy <laughs> who tracks her down and begins another, basically the same argument that we heard in the mic room. Again, he finds her on this path and we cut to the raccoon again itching itself as they're talking about itching and pain. They put an audio screech under the raccoon and it gets a caption on the screen that reads, ouch. They give the raccoon a noise as though it's trying to say something and then they translate it for us in the caption that the raccoon is itch, scratching itself, scratching an itch, but it's saying, ouch. The raccoon believes that itching is pain. The raccoon is on the side of Clancy. This is Clancy's raccoon. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> then at the end of this segment, um, we get a casting card. Are you itching to find love? Why not apply in the next season of The Bachelor? We come back into portion four. The players are still discussing the strange argument, the polarized nature of the relationship. And we go back to Parisi and Clancy still engaged in this argument. She doesn't want anyone to speak to her like that. He recounts the argument, maintains he was just trying to make her feel better. And then it goes back into the pain and itching argument again. 
I googled this, by the way. Itch and pain are closely related but distinct sensations. They share largely overlapping mediators and receptors, and itch-responding neurons are also sensitive to pain stimuli. But they are technically separate sensations. Just to, mm-hmm. if anybody out there is wondering whose side you should be on in this Thank argument, you. who's really the... <laughs> I had to know. Taking sides. <laughs> I had to know. I'll do my own research. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But uh, eventually they go back into this argument, and at the end of it, uh, he's like, I'm trying to give you all the different types of love that you need and help as much as you can. And they talk about their emotions, and she doesn't want to be talked to like this. And they essentially get over it. They hug it out. They are together again. He is the master. I don't know, again, how much of this is scripted or not. I don't know what their ratios of 4TWR to 4TRR are, but he has created here an entire two-portion narrative arc out of an argument about itching. No one can do this. As well as doing wordplay during it. You're packed in a road. Like, just that phrasing was funny to me. Absolutely insane. I... I love it. They get uplifting romantic music. And Clancy says, next time I will say, let's talk later. (laughs) And Genevieve ITM's Love Level 3 in Paradise comes at a cost. (laughs) They make out. (laughs) Yeah, they make out. They love level for each other. And then Clancy says, "Ah, I got bit by a bug as he's scratching his arm. And a producer off camera says out loud, is it painful? That's probably the same producer who came up with Bruce the Boom Operator. (gasps) Portion five begins. It is nighttime on our beloved Sands. Shanae asks her young twin to do some future casting. He says he wants to continue this outside the show, get a kiss, the other couples hug and kiss. Victoria Fuller ITMs that she could see Johnny being her person forever. Paradise is working. Whoa. (laughs) We get a rare one-on-one time here with... Excuse you, what? Oh, yeah, and Maltby, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's working somehow for her, just not in the way that it looks like it's working currently on mm. screen. But we see Malio, Malio and Altby, I almost said, and then I did say it. We see Olio and Maltby. <laughs> they are both saying they're crazy about each other. That's a love level one. We want to have more time together. Olio says he likes the fact that they're different, but when it matters, they see things in a similar light. He's spending more time alone in paradise, excited than he is, scared, as is she. And he sees this as evidence that his walls are coming down. When Olio says, I care about you too, this love level one, and he talks about being excited, he lifts his tongue up out of his mouth almost to reach his nose to represent his walls coming down. The mouth barrier has been broken by the tongue. He's now being present. He's feeling sensations. And this was my... Face play of the game. What was the degree of tongue extension on this face play? It goes above his beard. It, look, it's 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 a distance to the nose, but um, yeah, I I love I love tongue play in our beloved game. I feel like it's kind of a rare face play. They make out. Danielle ITMs that it started as friendship around this shared experience, but she's never felt that safe with someone before. And they we hear romantic music. Very 4TRR. We see Mira and Jasenia at the bar. And Jasenia kind of hints like you never know who sees you. So even if your relationship on sand yes. doesn't work out, you yes. might meet people after. Yes. yes. I mean, yes. I loved watching this because it really shows you that these players are all aware of the fact that just being in the show 
is meaningful for your dating life mm-hmm. after the show. Whether you walk out of sand with a, another player or not, you're at least going to be in the bachelor world now, going to stagecoach and all the events. It's elevating yourself in the bachelor world as well. Yes. You're, you're just coming off of a season that finished airing. So you will be kind of like uh, a hot property for a minute in the bachelor world. But even beyond mm-hmm. that, I think she's also referencing civilians who have watched the show. It's also going to up <laughs> your, your stock with them. Oh, yeah. I think there's implied civilians in this as well. Uh, but Mara ITM, she's the cheese that stands alone. I got to say, Mara is bringing it with just like she's going for it. She's very high energy. It's a shame that she was brought in too late because you can see qualities in her play that are like star player quality. She just didn't have the time. Yes. I want to see her play. I agree with you 100%. They didn't give her a shot. I, I'm hopeful that she'll come back next season and maybe they'll give her a, a higher sand placement, but you know, you never know. God, I just feel so bad for the last sand placements. Like, it's just so... It's horrible. <laughs> and they don't even give them, like, some sort of consultation prize or some... Or consultation. What is it called? Consolation. <laughs> <laughs> You can give him some kind of consolation prize. You should yeah. get a consolation prize if you're last sand. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's why, honestly, I saw what NC did to be so incredible. But we see a dog in the street, not my creature, close. And this one-on-one between Brittany and Tyler, 
who Brittany calls her boyfriend. They thank each other. They love level one each other. Tyler, future cast, I want to leave here with you. Brittany agrees and they make out and they cheers to one of the best dates they've ever been on in their life. I feel like she's already forgotten the the cruise ship date with the pizza on the yacht. Yep. She has forgotten it completely. What the heck? And... She feels like this is her first love in high school again, the ITM's romantic fun love. And there is such an emphasis on high school. Because they're about to have this high school party. That is a, it's a weird thing too. The the whole high school of it all, obviously. Well, I'll just wait until we get to the party. But yes, they're setting up these high school tones. But they dance in the street, they make out, and Britt loads love level three, falling in love with Tyler. And then we get a casters, uh, casting for senior bachelor card in between these portions. Sex begins day. NC tells the other women that she plans to talk to Andrew all day. A young twin mentions that everyone is at their breaking point. This motherfucker's only been there for like two days. <laughs> he's already at his breaking point. Like they got that guy just wrecked. The, he's already been two human foods. <laughs> <laughs> he's wrecked. He's like, Scathed. they made me a fucking taco. They made me a fucking churro. I still have chocolate in places. Yeah. <laughs> then Kufrin and the big body trash can himself. Thomas Jacobs show up. Olio gives BBTC a man to man hooju brilliant work here. We already saw another one this season and he's doing the most. Olio has given two man-on-man hoochoos now. Congratulations. This is history being made, ladies and gentlemen. I mean... Yes. This is a record. This is a record. It makes me respect Olio so much more as a player. Absolutely. He is our grocery store. He is our implied Sadie Hawkins prom king although he didn't get his due they should have announced it during the dancing they couldn't because the fight got out of control yeah we'll get to it when we get to it but here olio really is showing he's got some fucking skills he's got some reverence for the game and ultimately he's not in control of how they're editing it he's not in control of if they are living in a separate house or not no one is in charge of it I think that message needs to be really loud and clear. But I'll tell you what he is in charge of. He's in charge of his eyes when they turn to see coming down the stairs the biggest body that he's ever seen in a trash can. And he is in charge (laughs) of his legs when he decides to use them to sprint at big body and throw his legs as best he can around his big body. Now, the suju is not a good huju per se. There's no ankle lock. But nonetheless, he's big body. No one can hooju big body. He's he's too taller than the Palapas. What? Did you just say no one can hooju big body? Let's see Kelsey Weir on sand. Why are you so close to the screen? <laughs> I had to make my point. Kelsey Weir can hooju anyone with a perfect 10. I believe she would dominate big body oh in a hooju. Well, thank you for this beautiful record-setting man-on-man hooju. I love to see it. I and too. it just shows you can be hoojuing all the time. You can hooju... Yeah. The date hosts. They oh, don't have God. to be another player. Yes. Huju Dora with consent. If I may. <clears throat> when you come to the gates of hell and you are greeted by the Dark Lord, Huju him. What? Can you imagine that? A player Hoojuing DLP. Oh, Huju Jesse. Yes, at the gates of hell. His, his name is DLP. His name is DLP. My guy. Dark Lord Palmer. 
There is no Jesse anymore. He died when he signed the contract. Yeah, he's dark like Par- Bachelor in Paradise is dark. Mm-hmm. An angel. <laughs> oh, God. A fallen angel. Lucifer was an angel. Get yourself an angel for your Christmas tree. GameofRoses.co. <laughs> Oh my God. All right. So after this man, oh man, who'd you? Kate ITMs that they are bachelor royalty and seeing them as like seeing celebrities, Logan ITMs that they are proof the process works. Andrew gets a nice comedy moment when he looks at the big body trash cans ring and uh, says, ladies, take notes. I thought that was fucking fantastic. And you see Mm -hmm. for that one moment, like when somebody does come in that these players aren't threatened by, they're not like, fuck, what are the producers going to do to us next? This is Kufrin and BBTC. They are, as everybody's saying, Bachelor royalty. They're not there to date anybody. They're there for something fun. All these players can feel it. And Andrew immediately switches into this other mode. He's not sad and moping. He's like, watch what I can fucking do when you're Mm -hmm. not grinding me into the goddamn ground. This is what we want to see. This is it. This is a great fucking play. Just let them play. Let them fucking play. They go to the Palapa. Koof says we're happily engaged. And she really emphasizes that she is the one to flip the script, the one to propose to Thomas. Love that. Love what? That she's emphasizing that. Being like, I propose to him. Showing that it's not like they did break tradition. Don't ever forget that shit, you know? Kufrin is what she is. Yes. I have been saying someone should do it on this show for years now. Totally. I mean, it wasn't done on the show. It was done post-show. But Kufrin is... She is just one of the greatest players that's ever lived. And I don't ever want mm-hmm. that to be like lost in the shuffle, you know? I don't lose it. No, no, neither do I. But we talk a lot about, you know, Vial and Bristow and all the various great players. I feel like sometimes Kufrin gets lost in the shovel and it's always, it's important to remember. You're probably right when we are going goat, doing goat talk. Yeah. She's the only tropical royale in history, which means she won a ring, a crown, and came to paradise and she's the longest running happy hour host longest running happy hour host and to my knowledge the only uh female crown ring winner paradise player to propose to her guy (laughs) i think well i mean yeah i guess that would have to be true because she's the only of those other two things anyway fantastic player great to see him back kufrin then says they're going to throw this party Uh, It's a Sadie Hawkins dance. The women are going to have to ask the men. They're going to have to be creative in how they do it. I think this counts as prom. It's a high school (sighs) dance. Well, it's not a prom. I mean, they didn't call it a prom. They called it a Sadie Hawkins dance. It's very different. Is it? Yeah. They had promposals. It's meant to be the same. The way I was predicting it, it it served the exact same purpose. I agree with that. The gender roles were reversed in the promposals. That's the only difference. They did a prom king, prom king. Do you? Yeah. Do you think they do that? A prom king at a Sadie Hawkins dance? Or was it a Sadie king? No, they did the best. They had the things in the tag. We'll get to them. They had the awards, it, but there were no prom kings. Anyway, it's it's a matter of semantics. <laughs> well, I'm just saying my prediction was correct. Yes, I agree. Your prediction was correct. They threw a high school party. Agree. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew, agree. <laughs> and the theme is the 90s. And we get some comments about it. Alio went to a Sadie Hawkins dance in 98. And we see all of these promposals. Serene's planning to do ice cream because that's her thing with Brandon. Genevieve gets a mariachi band to serenade Aaron Clancy. Loved that choice. Mm -hmm. That is like, I am queen of the beach. Britt pops out of a ball pit in a kid's pool. Um... I would 
I would have rejected that one, I think. I agree. It was uh, weak. Serene <laughs> does this script. I want you to be in a sweet mood to Brandon with, with this ice cream. They kiss. Giant bowl of ice cream. Inhuman-sized bowl of ice cream. Uh, they sometimes yeah. will do that in paradise. Giant bowls of food or ice cream that are like obviously impossible to eat. Didn't he... Was he on a date with a giant bowl of ice cream? Was Brandon on a date with that? They've done the ice cream one on what's her face's date no it was Tasha. i don't remember i don't remember who did it but i do remember right? nonetheless then victoria fuller comes in with a checklist she checks off all of his qualities and asks him if he wants to go he accepts maltby and olio rep- reprise their face paint play he circles a little y on his face yes he will go kate meanwhile tells some other players that she has lingering feelings about logan being a boy to the man she knows she needs and she ITMs that she's emotional. He's tall and hot, but they're in different places in their lives because of the seven-year age gap, and the Crown's conversation she had has given her reservations. So she's torn and confused. She doesn't know if she can see a ring with him. She needs to know if they're a match long-term, and we get this uh, one-on-one conversation between them. She brings up the Crown conversation and wants to get his take before they go to the party. He ITMs feeling like he's been in the doghouse for days trying to prove himself as a worthy person. It's exhausting, but he's willing to fight. And he basically says he's out of breath from trying to explain who he is to her. She wants to know if he's fully into this or if he's going to change his mind for if somebody else walks down the stairs. He tries to use as evidence the fact that he denied Lindsay Wyndham's date. She maintains that because he even entertained it in the first place, uh, it makes that crown conversation have a little more weight, gives her a pit in her stomach. And he says that they can talk about things, talk them through. He doesn't want her to feel like there is something lurking around the corner. He wants her to feel like she knows him better than anyone else. And she says she just wanted to squash it before all of this happened, before she asked him to go to the dance. She ITMs a, a huge wave of relief and then asks him to the dance with no creative proposal whatsoever. Just a straight asking he accept, accepts. She ITMs being happy with where it is and not seeing it slowing down. Uh, you know, this is crisis averted, I guess. They tried to send in the crowns to blow up this relationship. It didn't work. I think both of these players are a little too savvy for that, honestly. They both know that, like, we got to go to the fucking uh, Sadie Hawkins dance. That's going to be good screen time. Yeah, I didn't actually, like, feel like that relationship was threatened, but they are getting to the point where they're going to force a bunch of couples to break up. They're like, the only options are getting engaged or breaking up. It's like, yeah. what do you mean? There's an obvious, very obvious third option. Portion seven, we see this getting ready montage for the dance. We see that it's at Vivanta, the estates. And we see Sadie Hawkins in paradise. And it's so fun. Thomas is there. Kufrin is there. Wells, people do the worm. Kufrin is spanking Thomas. Uh, people are listing 90s things in their ITMs. I did like Alio does this hairline play where he does a middle part and says, yeah. the bigger the fluff, the bigger your stuff. I never heard that one. Pretty good line. We see some players hula hooping. I question this. Is the hula hoop a 90s thing? I thought it was way before that. But uh, then they have this vote I don't know. for kings and queens and whatever the thing is. I wrote down as a note, everyone should have voted for Clayton Eckert across the board. They should have written in his name in every slot. I love that. Experimental play for next season. And then we see if these ballots are real. (laughs) Jake said, what are the odds they use the real votes? And I was like, are you joking? They throw these ballots in the fucking garbage can. Yeah. 
they're not counting these votes. <laughs> Unless there's a producer literally standing there as you're writing the shit in and they just tell you like, okay, uh, put in Brandon's screen for the first one and put in the next one for the next one. I can see something like that happening. Mm. Election uh, interference. <laughs> yeah, to- this is definitely a fixed election. Um, they agree. Brandon and Serene both agree they had a lot of fun. She says it's a moral boost. And he asks if she's ready to be engaged. They both say, yeah, this is a precog. And we get some kissing. Brandon ITM, she's his dream girl. Beautiful blessing. The love he's been waiting for. This motherfucker's puppy dogging hard, even in ITMs. <laughs> he's just unbelievable. What a fucking stellar player. I know. So consistent. We see that the twins are matching. People are doing tarot. They've got caricature people. We see that Alio and Daniel Maltby are on this serious discussion couch outside. And they talk about how they came into each other's lives for a purpose. I just, I do need to know, she is wearing this lavender dress with this necklace and her RBG earrings. And it's, it is a beautiful look. I loved it. Hmm. And Maltby ITMs, no one has said, I love you. I'm not there yet, but I could be there. But I'm too scared to say if I'm there because I don't know if he's there. I don't know what loaded love level this is. I guess two. Yeah, I mean, there's math to be done here. She says, nobody has said I love you yet. So that's love level zero. But I think it's going to take a minute. Neither of us are there yet. Still zero. I could be there. Yeah, she's like, I'm scared to say it because I could be love level four. That sounds like a love level four. But I but I don't know if he's there. It's contingent on knowing where he is. Hmm. It's like a uh, theoretical love level two, I would say. Yeah. Two tends to be the ones of mystery. So I'm going to categorize it that way. Let's do that. And Alio says he appreciates her, that he's really leaning in Sheryl Sandberg style and they make out. Portion eight begins a DLP casting car. Are you sick of doing the dating dance? Prepare to be swept off your feet. I got to say the ones without this whole background going on that aren't like making fun of the audience disappoint me. <laughs> oh, nice. Interesting. I think I liked it. I think I liked the the weird town from the casting cards and the yeah. Yeah, you're starting to enjoy the how the the producers especially how DLT. <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> fucking talk down to you. You're sp- you're starting to like it. Portion 8, the party's in full effect. Women and men are in a choreographed <laughs> dance battle as uh, the senior send-off for Paradise High is what Galvin calls it. I did like this. I did too. It was very entertaining. The group dances. Everybody seems happy in a way we haven't seen in a long time on this show. So we know, of course, that ain't going to last. And of course it does not. Kate ITMs that Jacinia is not liking the kissing of Andrew and Ancy. And we get this forced girl chat between Mara and Jacinia. Cruz says she is triggered by seeing Andrew on the dance floor with NC. It was her situation last summer too. This is a recall back to BIP7 where she was involved at the prom, the high school prom, in a love triangle with uh, Chris Conner and Alana Milne. This time, it's more about wondering, though, she says from the beginning, if it was all even real. She doesn't think Andrew took her as seriously as she took him. Nancy and Andrew then get tarot card readings. The death card comes up. Andrew has a funny face play reaction to that. And Cynthia ITMs (laughs) that she's disheartened. and She's going to go tell Andrew how invested she was in this process. He handled things poorly. I like that there was a tarot reader in both uh, White Lotus and Bachelor this oh, week. I still haven't watched White Lotus. Oh my God. Watch it. If I could find that time. I'm curious though about this Jacinia 
saying she's going to go talk to Andrew. Do you think this is all her or do you think this producer meddling a little bit? No. I think they're like, let's repeat the Jacenia storyline. Fuck her at prom. I think so too. You better go talk to him. So the tarot reader tells Jacenia to be bold and open. And Jacenia ITMs that she had high hopes, wanted to invest some good, uh, wanted to invest in someone good, produces tears. She is frustrated with herself because you think you can read these signs, but she can't. So she's having a hard time forgiving herself, needs to talk to him. Andrew is then playing catch. Uh, it's like a little Velcro paddleball thing with NC as Jacinia comes in and steals him right out from the game, leaving NC with no partner. This is one of my favorite steals of all time. It, I mean, it could not have been a, a more perfect timing. And this is what made me think like producers are just sending her in. Go in and now. It's like, okay, he's throwing the ball and now. They're literally waiting for like the the exact second that she can come and steal him as like, I guarantee you what they wanted to get was like NC throws the ball. They put extra Velcro on, on it when he throws it to NC so she can't get it off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they wanted her to throw it. And while it was in midair, she steals him so that it hits the ground oh, and they get that shot of the, the paddle with the ball next to it. And no one caught it. Oh my God. Well, we get this funny shot of Andrew just had pulling him and he hands the Velcro ball catcher to a young twin who's just standing there. Yeah, here dude. I, I laughed out loud. Like, you play. <laughs> like, what? The young twin's like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? It's the weirdest fucking show I've ever been on. It's like, I'm not a child. <laughs> We're in our 20s. <laughs> Portion nine, we see Jasenia and Andrew Spencer. We see a brief kiss of Johnny and Victoria, then Jasenia and Andrew having this roundabout conversation in which Jenny, Jenny, Jesenia says that he skirted by paradise, switching from girl to girl. He says that's how it goes. And then we start to see NC and she is telling all of the guys about this steal. And Olio is like, no, he's trying to diffuse. He's like, they're just clearing the air. Um, someone says their history and NC says, what history? And Logan's like, oh, light history. <laughs> it was a very funny interaction. Um, and then when we get back to this one-on-one time, Justenia says this whole thing has felt like a boy's trip. He would avoid talking to her, go hang out with the boys. And he says, I had to. To me, this was him saying, the producers obviously make us do the guy chats. Like, you know that too. How are you even using this as an attack against oh me. Oh my God, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. But he goes on to also say he's not well, he was going to go home, he was done, and he had a last second thing with Ancy that he had to see through. That's referencing the spark he felt when she walked down the stairs. And Ancy has had enough. She goes over to see what's going on. She comes to try and steal him. He says he has to finish the conversation and he asks for some more time. And uh, we're starting to, I'm feeling an error coming on. Not quite yet, but I'm feeling it coming on. I mean, a block steal, you never see it. It's so rare. Yeah, I mean, this... You don't want it. This would have been my error of the game had she not done it again. Because the producers are sending them in at that moment. So it's like the producers are fucking you when you get a block steal. Absolutely. And then we see Ansi getting mad. She's telling these other players that... Uh, he should have walked away with her. Florence is ITMing that she's losing her marbles. She has nothing to worry about with Andrew, and this is not the way to make him fall in love with her. Exactly correct, Florence. Florence is showing you here how she's been able to stay in the game with virtually no screen time and no prospects. She's just like, I know how to play this fucking game. I'm going to be here till the goddamn end. 
NC is spinning out, talking to these other players, still Serene's ITMing that this has turned the night. And we see uh, Jacinia say to Andrew, she didn't come here to get fucked with. He says he's not fucking with her. NC then goes back out to interrupt the conversation. She says, I don't know what validation you're giving her, but I'm asking you to walk away from this right now if you want to pursue anything with us. Andrew says, it's not about this. Jacinia says, you're giving him an ultimatum and it's not fair. And NC's return attempt to make the steal and issuing an ultimatum was my error, 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 error of the game. We obviously see how this plays out. It blows up all of this. All three of these people go home because of it. It And it was unnecessary. She could have gone out once and said, can I talk to you? And he's like, I need to finish the conversation. You say, fine, that's great. <clears throat> he finishes the conversation. It's going to go poorly. You know that he's going to be emotional. You can then play an STCO for him. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Forget about that. Let's have fun tonight. That's what this is about. And you could have squeaked out at least some more screen time through the rest of this mm-hmm. night, finished out the party, ended on a high note. Instead, we watch what happens in portion 10. A fucking disaster. NC's second block steal ultimatum was also my... Error, 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 error of the game. I said before, it is incredible what NC was able to pull off coming in this late in the game in the first place, like able to steal Andrew Spencer, who already had been saying to people that he wasn't going on dates. It was just incredible. And it just, it pained me to see that, you know, reneged so fast. We see Andrew Spencer try to explain he's letting her know where his heart is, wants to be friends after that. And NC keeps questioning him. Are you sure about that? You want me to sit on the sidelines? We see Jasenia doing some great face play here, glaring. And Logan glows Andrew Spencer in the ITM about his relationship with NC. And then we see Jasenia. Love level one, Andrew, I really care about you. Oh, and NC walks away. Sorry. And by the way, the whole thing with Teddy, um, the whole thing with Teddy that Logan is ITMing, he might have never recovered from the producers forcing Teddy off the show, basically. He says the breakup with Teddy, mm-hmm. but producers forced her off the show. When Rodney came in and she was like, oh, I think I might want to date Rodney. They were like, no, you got to date Andrew. Right. She confirmed that. And she was like, fuck this, I'm out. They're the ones who who have done this from top to bottom. They're the ones who have orchestrated all of this. But basically, in this conversation with Jasenia, he comes clean. I, part of my heart is still with Teddy. And uh, she then, as she's going back into the party, she's like, fuck it, I'm out. She tells the other woman she's leaving. She does indeed leave here, self-elimination. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly what happened last season to her. She, she did it twice in a row. And she ITMs feeling strung along, having wasted all of her time and energy. She gets in her car, heads off into the night in her exit speech. Uh, She says she came to Paradise hoping it would turn out better than the last time, but it didn't. She's exhausted, picking guys who aren't ready. How many times does she have to choose the wrong guys? And then Andrew comes back to the party, and we get this um, hard-to-watch scene, honestly, where NC and Andrew start talking, and she opens the conversation with, what the fuck? She's kind of on the, the attack here a little bit. And he tells her that he likes her. Love, level one. And he was opening it with, NC, can we talk, love? He was starting it British. Yeah, he was like, come on, let's let's make this fun and light. And she's like, what the fuck? And so he love, level ones her. And he says, look, we are on a good path and everything, but I, I got to get out of here. NC calls him a floating magnet. 
that was invested in, and she says she's invested into whatever she had to talk to him about. She tried to interrupt twice, got dismissed. Andrew tells her that his heart is somewhere else, mentions the Teddy thing, and um, mm-hmm. she essentially breaks down. Andrew's in tears. Ancy's in tears. She's it's begging hard. him to stay, and he says he can't do it anymore. We come back into portion 11. The entire front end of portion 11 is her saying, please, I'm begging you. Please, I'm begging you. And him going, let me go. Please let me go. He eventually says, Ancy, I'm done, dude. That should have been uh, enough for you there when you get called the dude. After that, there's obviously no romantic intent here. And he just wants to leave. And uh, he basically comes in, says goodbye to his bros. Everybody runs to see if he's okay. Ensi is sobbing as she says she's going home too. This was so stupid. She goes into hysterics. As she enters a bathroom, we can hear her crying to somebody. Um, And then we actually get a camera going into the bathroom, which I thought the bathroom was like off limits, but perhaps not. Parisi plays the STCO here and Spencer ITMs that he tried. He knew what he came for in the first four days. He knew he lost it. That was Teddy. And Olio says a good man left tonight because, and they don't let him finish that sentence. I mean, we see like NC says part of him is still with Teddy. He, and he said he can't handle this environment, which I feel like was something we didn't see in the conversation with Andrew. They put question marks over the words that she's saying. I mean, we're, uh, Full edit. They give her a fucking full edit while she's having a nervous breakdown. And they continue to do it. Um, once she gets in the car and she's giving her exit speech, uh, she's crying and she's blowing her nose and they leave the camera on her as she's doing like this kind of nose blowing sound for what seems like 10 seconds. I don't know if they sweeten that sound, but they are giving her a massive full edit on her way out here. They even put a, like, they leave it in where a piece of tissue has gotten in her mouth. She's pulling it out. And them giving her this full edit while she's crying, leaving, was my wowie moment of of the week. week. It was just, I hate, I hate seeing an edit like this done to anyone. Well, it's like they're making fun of emotional distress. Yeah. And on top of that, it's emotional stress that they were the architects of. We're going to make you have a nervous breakdown. Then we're going to make fun of you for having the nervous breakdown. This is what the current producers like. I'm begging you guys. Find what you love about this game again. I mean, she literally says, this fucked me up way more than The Bachelor. I'm not going to come out fucking clean. That's what it's... I think that's what the sentence was, right? Yeah, I don't know what the second part was, but the first part was definitely this fucked me up way more than The Bachelor did. You know, you don't want to get fucked up in either one of those things, but you certainly don't want to get fucked up more than the first time you got fucked up from the same people who fucked you up. Yeah. And I mean, they put her into that situation of like, she has waited. She's last sand. She miraculously pairs up with someone. And then her only like hope of saying is leaving who she also had a connection with. I don't know. I this was hard to watch for me. And I agree. We get these promos, Paradise is Over, Get Engaged or Break Up, two-night finale, Shanae is looking for a husband, not a TikTok boyfriend. Shanae, why can't you have both? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) TikTok husband. Get you a man who can be both a husband and a TikTok boyfriend. (laughs) And the all-cast reunion. I was looking for someone in that that promo, but maybe maybe that'll be revealed later. It'll be revealed later. 
then we get the tag finally and we see wells is reading the results of this little the winners and losers of the the voting that they had there at the party and we cut to see that he's reading it to an empty dance floor the party is over somebody's sweeping up there's full music uh, being played again i don't know who's coming up with these bits this is a fucking dry one there's no comedy in it whatsoever everything they're writing for wells is they need to but i don't even understand the premise of this it's like he's reading it to an empty room the party yeah the party like got too dramatic and they destroyed the place but they didn't like they didn't destroy the place and then they cut to like a few shots of them sleeping so it's like the i guess the premise is that it's too late and everybody fell asleep like it just doesn't make sense. There's there's not a comedic premise in it. You know what I mean? It has a comedic styling. It's like, let's have him up there reading these things and oh, nobody's listening. Well, then why is he continuing to read? Why is he reading them to the cleaning crew? It does there's no part of this that makes comedic sense. It's like a fever dream. And yet they they shoot it out. They're like they have a camera crew and producers doing that. Anyway, I don't fucking get it. Who was your MVP? For his for TRR exit, for reprising his British accent, for the mm. man tier play, as DLP would call it. I'm a sucker for the male tier play. You don't see it that often. Andrew Spencer was my M M M M V P. He definitely turned in a good game tonight. I mean, you can't really ask for much better mm-hmm. of an exit if you're going to self-eliminate. However, there was a player that I thought weathered more storms, more intense storms, and is still there to tell the tale. Logan Palmer was my... MMMMMV they brought in two <laughs> high-level assassins named Gabby, Wendy, and Rachel Reckia to kill this man, and he dodged the fucking bullets. He's been dodging bullets all season that they're sending in after this man. It's unbelievable to watch him play this season, I have to say. <laughs> I thought he would be gone by now, multiple times over, and yet he's still there. I don't know if they're going to wind up engaged. I don't know what's going to happen next week. But Jesus Christ, he really did do all this. All the things we are watching him do, he's really doing it. Do you think they will get engaged? I don't know if Logan and Kate are going to get engaged. They, uh, maybe. Because I also don't, again, I don't know their ratio of 4TWR to 4TRR. If I kind of feel like they're probably a little more 4TWR leaning. And if that's the case, I can see an engagement for sure. If they're 4TRR, there's no fucking way. I would love to see it. I would love to see every couple get engaged and refuse to leave and they have to do like yeah. 10 fantasy suites. I would like that as well. But that concludes our penultimate recap of this season, Bachelor in Paradise Season 8. We thank you for joining us. We hope you will join us at the end of this week for this week in Bachelor Nation. There's a lot of news already brewing, a lot of stuff that I know we're going to be talking about. And we have a new Digging Deeper out if you didn't catch that as well. Very, very saucy, very interesting clips this week. God, there really were. There's some very interesting tea getting spilled by people that you're just like, wait, what the fuck are they saying? At any rate, 
definitely check that out. But before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,541 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then 